0: Brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipLops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy Mae Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at dot american yogi is proud to support the brass and unity podcast and its community with the code brass 15. join the mindful counterculture live american yogi
1: listen someone's gotta say it someone's gotta say it all right let's let's just let's just we're gonna cut all this out eric bartel's on the show this week everyone and he is a friend of mine and as you can tell because I'm going to leave some of it in the beginning of this episode was an absolute shit show and resulted in nothing useful and nothing that anybody needs to hear ever again. So we're going to (laughs) start fresh with this. There was a rant about grenades somewhere. Zach Bell got some shade thrown at him and then echelon just appeared when he asked for it. Gee, I wonder how that happens. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was because somebody shipped me an entire box of it. And then I had to pay duties and taxes on it.
2: Yeah. I hit you with that. I'm still trying to figure that out.
1: I can help you with that. A lot of people don't understand when you ship outside of America. We don't like it.
2: It's it's wild to me. You know, you guys should be grateful that we're blessing you with our our physical products and presents. And instead, you uh your government taxes you on it. So it makes sense.
1: Heavily too. I got my hat from Canadian. Yep, that's what happens. I mean, I got this hat this new hat from gage this week and i got my duties and tax bill with that and he goes i don't understand i didn't even put anything was in the box i'm like they can tell what's in the box bro (laughs)
0: like
1: (laughs) it's fine but the point is when you ship into canada yes we definitely have this heavy duty tax system so if you are at all most of you are american listeners the reason you don't get billed by brass and unity is we eat it so that you don't have to deal with communism it should
2: be your slogan. Yeah,
1: it should be.
2: <laughs> we eat it. We eat to it save you, to save you from communism.
1: God damn it! This should be a marketing call if I've ever heard one. You guys are now listening. Now, when you hear this, you're going to be like that, that. We heard that discussed. That was a that was workshopped on a podcast. Yeah, it's going to be a new marketing <laughs> slogan for us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Um, let's talk about a little about how I met you. So. Uh, we met through Zach Bell as a lot of, it seems like my contacts uh, I've met through Zach Bell. He's a really great, uh, connector and friend in that sense where he wants to see others thrive and and be successful. And, um, I said to him, Hey, there's this guy I want to have on the podcast. I follow him on Instagram. I don't know if you know him. And he goes, yeah, I know Eric. I know Eric. Well, we live in the same area. We do a lot of content together. And so he connected us and, um, by sheer kindness and willingness. You've kind of had conversations with me and been willing to kind of go back and forth, whether it's collaborate post or whether it's give advice, but you've always been somebody that in the past year has been a supportive entity and individual of brass and unity. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time this morning to uh, have a quick chat with us kind of about your life. Cool. Yeah,
2: you're a cool dude. That was a good summarization of of our uh, short but impactful friendship.
1: I think the great thing about this community, and there are really great things about it, sometimes it's hard to see them, but there are. There is this uh, beautiful network that happens all over Canada and America and the other NATO nations, and what you see is people that are trying to do large-scale things very often If you approach them, they will give you a bit of their time, whether it's 30 seconds, five minutes, an hour, whatever it may be, but you have to be willing to ask. And I think if more people saw that others were willing to give time or advice, or even just uh, send an email for someone on behalf of someone, our community would be uh, feeling and thriving in a much more successful way, in my opinion.
2: I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, it's it's frustrating to see uh, in America. I had this conversation with the CEO of boot campaign recently. Her episode came out on Monday with us, but we had this conversation and she had stated, I think as of 2016, there was just under 50,000 nonprofits that are veteran focused in America. And yet somehow the suicide epidemic is at 44 a day and you guys have this beautiful community, but none of it talks to each other.
2: I just want to be clear. You're the only Canadian I talk to.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You included Canada in this, but (laughs) yeah, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, we're just starting off with like the uh, biggest issue in in the veteran community right off the bat. So you, Two times in a row, Kelsey's gone for the jugular, but only one of them has been on the air.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Zach, I'll get you back for that one. I'll tell you after. Listen, Zach, you go to the gym a lot. You go to the gym a lot. (laughs) I'm waiting for the results to show. That's all I'm saying. It could be the energy drinks you're chugging on a regular basis. It could be your affinity for junk food. I don't know which one it is. The gym's (laughs) not showing. (laughs) Are you happy now? Shots are fired twice. Do you feel better now on air, Eric? Does that help you?
2: I'm so happy. Um, that's exactly what I wanted to come out of this podcast, and I think we're uh, we might as well pack it up because that's not as good as it's gonna get.
1: Listen, I I love our friends, but I will always be the first to to call them out on something, and I think that's okay. But the reason I wanted to have a a serious, more in-depth conversation about not only the community, but entrepreneurship is because you have now founded multiple companies, not necessarily in the veteran space, marketed to the veteran space, but you've, you've founded them and you have grown them into these monsters that if more veterans saw that you could be your own boss, that you could be an entrepreneur once you transitioned out. And if you just learn from those around you, I think our community would be a lot more successful afterwards.
2: I, I don't disagree. And I I think it's a grain of salt. There's always going to be someone above you, no matter what you're doing, you're always answering to someone. And if you are the sole owner of your business, you're answering to the customer and the community, right? So um, being your own boss is, is somewhat of a fallacy. It, you're never truly your own boss until you retire. Um, but in the way that you're kind of framing it, Completely. Like you don't want to go work for a corporation that it might be evil or it might just be stealing your soul one day after the other. Um, and I think there is a natural entrepreneurial, I don't know, some type of code ingrained in veterans that just makes them want to get out and, and do something entrepreneur uh, wise maybe it's because we've been in a system so long that tells us exactly what we do every second of every day. And, and so the last thing you want is when you become a civilian is to live under that again. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I agree with you completely in the sense of the the community is there. And and I was talking about this last week with someone, but it's really like exactly what you said in the beginning you have to show the intent you have to show the the seriousness that this is what i want to do and then you have to find someone who's already doing it or has already done it and reach out to them and follow up and follow up and be consistent i think you're amazing at that right it's like i think you people find can... it annoying <laughs> but like anyone who's doing anything is is busy and and so And for not to try and make myself seem higher than I am by any means, but I'm always doing something, right? My day is filled. And so when someone hits me up, if I don't get back to them right away, it's not because I want to ignore them. It's because I am trying to get something done in that moment that is blocked off for what I'm doing in that moment. And it's not, it's going to distract me from that. I'm not going to get it done. And so I'll respond to you in the next day, but I'm gonna to respond to you, right? Or if that text gets pushed down or that email gets pushed down, it's not because I don't get back to it because I don't wanna to talk to you, it's because it got pushed down by 50 other emails, right? And so it's like follow up. And the people who follow up, the people who show that this is not just a one-off, that they're serious, are the people that I wanna to get to know, the people I wanna help the people I want to work with because those are the people who are going to show up tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after it's not this one hit wonder of, Oh, that sounds cool. Let me go do it. Oh, wait, it's hard. I have no interest in it. Like entrepreneurship is one of the hardest things you can ever try and do. You have to have resilience. And so if you're not resilient enough to even get your foot in the door, you're not going to be resilient enough to actually launch anything successful.
1: Yeah, and I like that you bring that up because there is a, if you want, in my personal opinion, and this is just from sheer experience and others might not have this, whether it's because they're already a celebrity, they're already somebody in the community, whether they've already made a name for themselves in business, but from a podcasting perspective, to do this successfully or somewhat successfully, there has to be consistent, relentless emailing and schedules, adapting, and being willing to flow with other people's life. You can't pick and choose until you're Joe Rogan. You don't get to do that. You don't get to say here now, and then that person shows up and that's okay. I think there is the, the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship and in, in any aspect, whether that's owning a business, uh, whether that's creating a product or uh, a media empire, if you will, those things all require a significant amount of accepting the word no, and then taking that word no, ignoring it completely, just throwing it in the garbage and saying, I heard yes. I heard yes. (laughs) And then you do it until the word yes appears. And it sounds silly, but, When it, you know, getting you on the show because of both of our schedules and people getting sick and life happening, things have had to be rescheduled. It's the same with any other job or taking a meeting or getting a company to acknowledge you. Sometimes it's going to take an immense amount of effort and grind. And it's always, at least I don't know about you, it's always right before it pops is when it's hardest. Right before that moment of just like takeoff, that's when things get. The absolute most difficult, whether it's in business and finances or it's in community and networking, or you've just heard a lot of no's all of a sudden out of the blue. And then the next morning you wake up and that's right when it happens. It's almost being tested in a way.
2: A lot of times, yeah. A lot of times the way I look at it too is, I mean, sometimes it just feels like this, the deck is stacked against you, right? And I the only thing I've found to get through that is, is stacking small wins. And so even in business, which is the easiest example for me, like I'll have door shut, door shut, door shut, those no's, right? Those bigs, like it's not happening, Um, which you can either figure out a way to go through the no, or you have to figure out a way to go somewhere else. Right. But in the meantime, I'm talking about mental health, that wears on you. Like getting told no repeatedly, it does wear on you. There's no superheroes in this world who are just like, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's where you have to build in yeses, and that's the best way I can put it. In the sense of, where can I build in small victories that I know today, I'm probably not gonna get my end goal, but that's fine. Like it's not meant for today. But I'm going to get a couple yeses whether it's something as simple as I got my morning workout in or I got to go to jits and do roll a little bit Um, or I I knocked out one of those smaller projects that I, I knew I could land but I've just I actually committed the 20 minutes it took to do it and I got that completed and that's actually doing well like how can I stack those or stack the smaller yeses that will lead towards a bigger yes that isn't even like the primary goal, but is one of these kind of pr- tertiary goals, maybe, to keep me going. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ways I deal with all of the no's because, I mean, you you obviously know it as well, but it it gets heavy, right? If if you're quick. having shit week, it can get heavy really quick. Um. And then some weeks, like that, that's the other part of entrepreneurship. It's highs and lows. It's a freaking roller coaster. Some weeks, you're like catching win after win after win, and stuff's coming from left field that you didn't even see coming. You're like, holy crap, that's amazing. And then the next week, it's like nothing can go your way. And it's all about like building the momentum where. The roller coaster is always kind of going up, even if it's coming down. You're still higher where, than where you were two weeks ago, and it's because of those small yeses that you're building towards a bigger goal.
1: They stack, and I and I like that you address that from a mental health perspective because the idea that entrepreneurship is something that can be played with, and it'll all be successful. You might get lucky. You might, you might be put your product out. And that first day, the right person at the right time and the right moment might've seen it. And you might get that spark and, and do it. But for the most part, I mean, from my business perspective, I've been doing this almost eight years. My company has been around for almost eight years. Echelon for you and Bravo Sierra, when did you start those kind of conglomerates? I would say now.
2: So, Bravo started in roughly 2019, end of 2019. Um, because they, so the way I actually got with Bravo was they launched in 2019, um, and they did their launch party at my event for the brand. Mm. Um, (laughs) they literally recruited me launching (laughs) their brand. Perfect. Um, and like come over to our founding team, we need someone who runs community understands military understands fitness, so on and so forth. And so la- literally within a few months, I ended up joining their founding team and taking on that marketing role taking on the community role. And from there, we launched Echelon officially, January of 22. Although we had been working on it for almost two years prior to that, we really started working on it like in mid 2020.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you smack in the middle of COVID, you decided you needed to take on more stress. Absolutely. Okay. As does every <laughs> other military member, but you have a prior past uh, to these companies as well. So you, you did work, you are a veteran, you did deploy in 2016, you were a US army infantry officer. And you've worked with, if I'm not mistaken, the 101st Airborne, correct? Yes. Okay. How does somebody go from being in the service and picking a profession like this to then switching to entrepreneurship? Because it seems like a lot of people we speak with, they're either career military, they're special operations, or they are in for four years and they're gone. So what was your path?
2: I mean, it was not a traditional one. And I think that's probably in most cases, uh, a similar response. But when I got out, I was lucky enough to transition to a nonprofit that was in the veterans space. Um, I originally had intended on going back to school because that's like the easy thing for people to do to keep cash coming in through the GI bill and whatnot, and figure out a little bit more of what you want to do. But I thought, okay, I I went, I had my bachelor's in psychology. I was intending to go back to school to get my doctorate in psychology. Um, I opened the GRE prep book and I studied for like 30 minutes and realized that was not going to be my thing. Um, It was horrendous. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not ready to go back to school. Um, And so I started looking into like fitness and veteran stuff and nonprofits. And I found that the, the one I ended up working at, um, And so then I did that for like two years and that really got me deeper in fitness space. At that point, I was like really into fitness, but I didn't see a career path there. And so I started running the nonprofit and what we would do is we would take veterans who were just about to separate or veterans who had been out for a while that were looking for a career field and we would fly them into a camp. And we did anything from like 20 vets to 80 vets and we would run these camps um for about 25 days where we would give them all of the hands-on training, all of the book training and then all of the business training they needed in order to become successful personal trainers. And then we would plug them in with some different gym chains in their area or wherever we were trying to put them like Equinox was one of our like partners that we worked with a lot um to get them jobs and and help them find placement. And so that was what I did for like two years. But while I was doing that, the company that we worked with ab- above us also had a gym in New York. And so I ended up going to New York and running this gym, which was like a really fancy um, training for private training studios, the easiest way of putting it. Uh, our, our clientele was like Naomi Campbell, C-suite executives, lots of pro athletes and stuff like that. And it was just—it was a very expensive facility. And so that's where I started really getting deeper into that side of the fitness world, getting like higher clientele um, and also getting more PR and stuff and really figuring out the brand building side is what came with that more than anything. Um, and then from there, that's when I got approached by Bravo and I already like really loved working with the veteran community I loved working with the military community and I wanted to stay in that world and I still loved fitness, but it also gave me the opportunity to work with this cool new brand with a bunch of people I respected um, who were industry veterans in their, in their own rights. The CEOs both were former L'Oreal, one of them ran Armani, um, the other one founded Harmless Harvest the Coconut Water. They, they were both very much just serial entrepreneurs at that point. And so I was like, this is the next step in my trajectory. I already understand the community. I understand a good amount of the marketing. I understand how to build a brand. I need to understand now how to build a business. And so that was one of the biggest decisions in going to work with Bravo was that, okay, yeah, I, I got an early, I got founder status, equity, all that cool stuff. But really, I was able to learn under these two individuals who had all of the knowledge and and kind of insights Into founding a business because this was respectively each one of their second, third or whatnot business that they've started. Um, And then from there, luckily enough, just continuing to grow, continuing to learn within that ecosystem. And then pretty much when we spun off Echelon, they let me have that brand.
1: So what is it that you found if you could pick out of all of those situations where you were in, put, you placed yourself in the right place in the right time around the right people, but what did you find to be the most impactful when making these decisions? Because to leave up and leave something that, you know, you you went to after the military, because I find that with a lot of people, right? They they transition out, they go into a position and they're like, well, this is it forever. This is just, this is what I'm going to do. So how did you make those decisions? and? those guides, was that all, you know, personal decisions? Was that all decisions made from advice from other individuals around you?
2: I mean, trust me, um, none of those decisions were made easily and none of them are as simple as it seemed in that story. But um, I think it's just the culminating, I feel like in every major turning point in my life, there's always not only like there's been many different things from the gut feelings right to to a lot of times it's just like okay this is this is as far as this is going to take me and I don't know if other people kind of have that same introspection or whatever you want to call it in the sense of like this is this is the end of the road for me a lot of times with this and so Sometimes it's bittersweet, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's hard, but at some point or not, you're either gonna leave or you're gonna get pushed out. And in many of those scenarios, it was like, they all were clean splits, thankfully, but it was like, okay, this is, I'm getting pushed. I'm getting pushed to this next place. And this seems like where it is. And so that's where I, I wish I could be more, more, no, deliberate okay. the center, but like, that is exactly how it's always been for me, at least in the sense of, okay, this is, this is what's next. And I don't know, I really believe in kind of energy and I believe in trusting not only the process, but trusting your, your mind, your feelings and, and where you are and, and respecting that. Cause I feel like it's the opposite. If you don't respect where you're getting pushed. And so there's many a times where I've fought the current and I felt the wrath of the current and either way, I end up in the same place or I end up in a worse position. And so a lot of times it's like, if, if you feel like the current is taking you to one direction, usually it's, it's the right way. It's where you need to go.
1: I'm glad that you bring that up because sometimes when we talk to people about their, you know, the journeys into becoming successful, whether it's in business or sports or marketing, whatever it is the conversation is very like, yep, I did X, I did Y, it got me to Z. But when you break it down, and like you said, a lot of these things happen, they seem like a very linear line, but a lot of whether it's healing, whether it's progression, whether it's business, none of this stuff is linear. Like none of it is. And anybody who tells you is a complete liar.
2: Or are they so far removed from it that they don't even remember?
1: That too. That too. It's, it's very, very dependent on where you are in it. You you are at in that journey. When you talk about, you, you talk about it, uh, in, in a similar way that I do that, I don't honestly hear a lot of people discuss it. And when you say the word energy, when you say the word, you know, the feelings, that gut feeling, that's a real thing. And those, if you pay attention can guide you in the proper direction that you're supposed to be in. And it might not be the direction you thought you were going to be in, or it might not be in the position you thought it would be in. But most of the time the body knows. And if you listen to the flow of it, things will be a lot easier. But like you said, you fight these things, you fight the push out, you fight, you know, leaving a company or changing directions. It most of the time I've never really seen it end well for others.
2: No. And I think that's exactly like, and it's, it's a natural instinct, right? We want to remain in homeostasis. We want to remain in what we know. So even if what we know is making us miserable, our natural instinct is to remain in that because we know it rather than break off and go into the unknown. And and so that is the hardest thing I think people deal with, myself included.
1: Do you think that military, because at least the individuals that I surround myself with, they tend to be people who have successfully transitioned out into other positions. So do you think that there's something to that? Veterans leaving the military, being able to become successful entrepreneurs or being able to become successful in whatever they want to do, do you think that has something to do with our backgrounds?
2: I think it has to do with reps. And so what I mean is, The fact that you've transitioned out of the military in the first place, that is, in my opinion, like the foundation of that, right? You're transitioning out of this place that is as safe as it can be. All of your expenses are covered by this, that, or this, right? Like it's all allocated properly. You just have to actually pay the bill. Um, And you know, you have a job tomorrow, no matter what, really, unless you're out here doing illegal things. So to... Like, surmise, I mean, it's the perfect example of taking something that is homeostasis. You might be miserable, but you know it's the safest, most secure position you can be in, and then leaving it for the unknown. You've already done that once. What's, why not go into entrepreneurship and maybe do it three more times? Like, I I think that is the baby step to give you the confidence to be able to do that
1: leap. Right. Right. And you know what I see often is I see a lot of veterans come out and they start t-shirt companies. For some reason, it's t-shirt companies. I don't know if there's a simplicity to it. I'm not understanding. I don't know if there's like a design aspect because we always wear t-shirts underneath our gear. Like I'm not understanding, but it seems like a disproportionate amount go right to t-shirts.
2: I think it's easy. I think it's something that we... Think we understand enough? Like, and it's exactly what you said, right? Like, it's so simple, right? We want to put a design on a t-shirt. We all think we're a little bit more funny than we probably are, and so we start making t-shirts and we sell it to like twenty of our friends, and all of a sudden we have a t-shirt company. I don't, I, I don't think I'm clever enough or artistic enough to have a t-shirt company. But stay tuned later this uh, year when I start selling (laughs) t-shirts.
1: I know it's going to happen. You know who's going to hawk them for you? Myself, uh, Alexander, uh, Zach Bell. It's going to be like the the group and then that's going to pop and you're going to end up selling to some ridiculous company and it's going to have started here. You're welcome, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. It's like group sessions. It's like this, as much as this is a conversation, it's more like, I'm just giving you brilliant ideas. You will run with said ideas. I will show you episode back and be like, give me my percent.
2: Yeah. It was like earlier when you were like, you say no. And all I hear is yes. You said stupid veterans starting t-shirt companies. And I heard you should start a t-shirt company. You
1: should start a t-shirt company. (laughs) I love it, but it's It's fun to watch things develop um, and change and evolve because that's the other thing that happens. I find Uh, companies that are run by veterans evolve in a very different way than I find other companies run or evolve. And I don't know if that's because uh, our attention spans are small. We all have TBIs. We just can't stay on one task. Or if it's that we are trying to genuinely grow into, I don't know if this is the right, term the civilian world of of business
2: i think that's actually the opposite of that last one i think most of the veteran companies that i know of live in this echo chamber that is the veteran community and i think this is going to sound harsh but i think we take the veteran community's opinion too strongly Mm. i think we try and mold a company based off the veteran community, rather than just mold a company based off of what all the other companies, all the big companies, all the growing companies are doing. And and keep like ties, keep like, and that's what I'm trying to do with Echelon, right? Is like, keep it true that this was a veteran company, it's a veteran founded company, we still have a military give back, we have military ties. But in no means do I want the end of this company to be selling to vets, right? Like, I want this company to grow into $100 million. And I'm not going to – I can do that by selling to vets, but it's not going to be within that echo chamber of of what veterans want and think they want. It's going to be within a civilian chamber, and I need to have civilian retailers and civilian counterparts doing that.
1: And I think you've done a great job of that. You do have the military component, but it doesn't feel like it's the end all be all. I used to market only to civilians. So for the first five years of my company, I was in the fashion industry. Can you believe it? <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Else. Look, at your, look at your fashionable hat.
1: Listen, Daisy May just keeps me looking good. It's fine. Just judge gauge, not me. I worked in that space for up until COVID pretty much till COVID happened. We were a retail only predominantly in North America company where we had over 200 retailers that were either independent or big box like Marine Corps exchange and Canex and all of those, those were the military set ones. But on the outside, what people didn't see was breast and unity is known in the fashion. World. We're nominated for fashion awards and philanthropic work in Fashion. We're not a veteran company as much as it's started by a veteran. The thing that I notice, and I don't know if you run into this, and maybe it's because of the type of civilians you're marketing to. But the civilians I was marketing to were very, very, very far left, super left people who thought that all guns, all casings, in fact, they thought that the casings I would wear on my wrist were the things that killed the individuals in Afghanistan. And then we had to have an education conversation about how casings don't kill anyone and that the bullet itself and there's this thing called firefights and when you're in them, there is no time who say, hold on, Taliban, I need to collect these for my business. Nor was that a discussion that I was even having in Afghanistan. But what happens is in the space that the civilian side that I was in is a lot of individuals met what we were trying to do for veterans in a really dark, snarky, I don't care about that community at all way. So there is a lot of re-education about mental health and the suicide awareness. And there was a lot of re-education about how you can upcycle products instead of just throwing them out or melting them down and reselling them. There's a whole conversation that had to happen. And the last time I went to a major trade show in New York at the Javits Center, we were there because we were an upcoming brand that was being noticed. And I had a Orthodox Jewish woman spit on me and throw a ju- piece of jewelry at me because it was so disgusting that I was promoting and what her words were were war. When that was the opposite of what brass and Unity has always tried to do, right? The the whole conversation is where this is the name. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's this whole really difficult uh push and pull that would happen in the civilian sector and that was market this really beautiful gold diamonds swarovski jewelry to civilians while they're doing it slowly start to you know with slow drip mental health information to them but then like i said what i realized was they don't care about what happens to the veteran community because the majority of the civilian population that we were marketing to didn't care at the time about their own mental well-being, right? That you can't, you can only bring the horse to water, but you can't actually make them drink it. And the thing that I've learned is once COVID happened, that's when the rest of the world started caring about their mental health, right? So that's when the tides turned. And we actually started marketing more to our military community because the suicides were just, it's getting out of control, completely and unnecessarily and preventably out of control. Just, there's nothing I could do to make civilians care. Now, civilians care, right? Now, civilians care about mental health, not veterans. They still don't, that's still whatever. That's, we're disposable. We're just the dollars that are spent by the governments to go do the things to make sure that you can live in your house and not have your door kicked in in the middle of the night. But they don't care about the repercussions of afterwards. And that's not me just saying it. That's the evidence that's being brought forward by the United States government and the Canadian government and how they're choosing to deal with the mental health epidemic that is the suicide crisis. For you guys, you're not quite at the severity in which we are. You have 44 a day, but we get assisted suicide as treatment, right? So we kill our people. You guys are still trying. You're not quite there yet. But when a country gets to the point where it says... The mental health is so low on our priority list. It's easier for us to kill you than it is to medicate you, get you your wheelchair, get you your amputees, get you your limbs. That's when things have gone wrong. So for us, we had to pivot after COVID, right? It's, it's not a decision that I wanted to make, but we had to move from a completely retail business to a completely online business overnight and figure it out. That's how that worked. And then we manufactured masks for the government of Canada which when individuals have this conversation with me about putting a mask on because Canada is still very much COVID-y, I very frequently turn around and go, I'm a producer of those. They work for less than 20 minutes. You should probably take it off your face. You're going to make yourself sick. That's never met with a good reply. Never, never, ever. But even if you have all of the facts and all of the information, it doesn't mean that people are going to listen to what you want them to listen to. So in doing that, we started marketing a lot more heavy to America a lot, lot heavier to America. Because at the bare minimum, America has more veterans per capita than most of people in, exist in the like world. You guys have a cousin, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, or a sister that knew or was or deployed or had a friend. You guys all are connected and it seems like you don't even realize how connected you are. So it's not necessarily about marketing to just the veteran community, but it's about marketing to the community that will be more inclined to support your mission. And I know you guys have with Echelon, I was going to bring this up and this is a good time. The green Beret foundation. Can we talk a little bit about your philanthropic component of Echelon?
2: Absolutely. Um, it's the green Beret Foundation. foundation. <laughs> um, they're amazing. And like, I really mean that like, When we were considering a nonprofit partner, it was first on the list and it was because of how they actually operate, who they are and what they're actually doing. And so when you consider, and this is how we really looked at it a lot, was you have like the Navy SEAL Foundation, which is also a great organization and a very top tier nonprofit when it comes to not only awareness, but also fundraising. They raise something like 20 times when the Green Beret Foundation raises a year. Um, and that's what we were looking at. We're like, okay, you have two top tier um, populations being Green Berets and being um, Navy SEALs. There's actually more Green Berets than there are Navy SEALs. And yet when it comes to the main nonprofit dealing with the, this population, they're they're pretty underfunded. Um, and so we were like, not only did we have some very strong friendships within the organization. We were already kind of working with them here and there doing different stuff from Bravo and different events and whatnot. But that was kind of like, okay, how can we help raise some real money for these guys that can make a difference because they have so many different programs that are not only helping active duty green berets, but they're helping their families. They're helping gold star uh, spouses. And they're also helping mental health. And so one of their more popular uh, programs is Andy's Fund, which is all around mental health. And so we've done a lot of different fundraising for them. And then we finally were like, we want to make them the nonprofit partner of Echelon. And so 15% of our sales goes directly to them. And we just actually did a check presentation during SHOT Show. And we gave them a check for $75,000 to go towards unrestricted whatever they need pretty much. But they're an amazing organization. We're going to be partnering with them for a long time. And, and um, it's just, it goes to show you kind of like a nonprofit that's a little bit smaller that should be doing a lot more you know, number-wise than what they are just based off of the population they're serving.
1: Right. The, the difference between America Canadian and the, and the rest of the the world is you guys do have a lot larger of a special operations population, whether it's Rangers, Green Berets, Navy SEALs. Do you think it's because Navy SEALs started writing books first that those organizations started getting attention or was it that they wrote the books, then they joined the Navy SEALs and then they started working in that space with the vet, with the mental health, because that seems to be the way it is. Sorry. I'll say it. Uh, we have got guys who I know who, joined and I actually had a conversation with one and I'll never say his name. He's like, yeah, I knew if I could do this, then I knew that when I got out, it would help me do whatever else I want.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, this, so the green beret is called the quiet professional and the Navy seal is kind of anything, but in most cases, and and to (laughs) say it's, it's a small population of the Navy seals. I will be fair. That are out here being loud, writing books, putting themselves out there and like screaming from the rooftops that I'm a navy SEAL. Um, but there's a lot more of them doing it. And so yeah, the, since like GWAT though, I think it's the biggest thing is you not only have all these Navy SEALs writing books, and you got the David Goggins who are just becoming kind of global icons for being like tough and whatnot. And then you got the movies, right? Like now we have all these movies like Lone Survivor out that are just glorifying Navy SEALs is like to the point where a lot of the U.S. civilian population just thinks if anything cool happens, it's the Navy SEALs doing it right? Um, because they don't they don't know about any of these other organizations, really. And so that's in a large part why I think the Navy SEAL Foundation does the numbers they do. And to to every right of their own, they should be fundraising the numbers they're fundraising. And that's not what I was pointing out in that sense either. It's, I think the Green Beret Foundation should be fundraising at least equally to them to serve a population. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no, I, I didn't think you were uh, putting it down in any way. My point was because of the glorification of Navy SEALs, the foundation is uh, at the forefront of the idea of America of special operations. When you look at Canada in particular, we have a, a range of special operations, but you only hear about JTF2. And that's if, if, and I mean solid if, you if you know anything about Canada. And for most people, they don't even know what the JTF2 is. JTF2 has done a very good job of staying quiet and doing exactly what they should be doing and shutting their mouth. I mean, we do, and I say we, because... I am Canada, and it's one of the very few things I am proud of. Hold the longest shot, you know, heard around the world. It's fine. It's just, we do hold that real long shot. No one's been able to touch. It's fine. Um, You guys are going to hear about it on a podcast on Sean Ryan pretty soon, actually. A buddy of mine who was on the team was just on the show, and you're going to hear all about that long shot. And it is impressive to say the least, but we hold it. You don't. It's okay. You guys have your strengths. You'll catch up at some point. Your snipers will get there. They're just, just—they're. I guess, I guess they're just not there yet. And that's okay.
2: Kelsey, just flex the one thing you got to flex. Okay, that's fine. Congratulations.
1: Listen, listen, you guys have freedom. We have the longest shot. You guys have gun rights. <laughs> we have assisted suicide. We all have our strengths, okay? And you can't, I don't make decisions. The talking drama teacher does. I don't. And by drama teacher, I mean the CCP, but that's, I don't make those decisions. I'm just here for the ride and currently located in the communist country of Canada. America's great because you guys seem to have something different though when it comes to growing companies. Everything seems to happen in America. And if you want to be successful in certain sectors, it seems like you have to be in America for that to happen. Now, is that something I'm completely pulling out of the air or is this something that feels true to me?
2: I think COVID has changed that a lot, to be fair, but 1000%, and particularly like New York City, when I lived in New York City, it was a firehouse mm-hmm. of growth, right? For me, for my personal brand, for anything that was anything there, because every major company, every major firm every major hedge fund any anyone who's doing anything is in new york city and and that's just being very very plain there's there's the spin-offs and the one-offs here and there and like there's obviously silicon valley which is again since covid not become as much of a hub as it was once but it's all still like very much centralized and so running that gym in New York city, we could have any brand and any entity we wanted come into the gym. Like we wanted Instagram, Instagram would come in the next day. Like if we wanted to work with men's health, men's health was there the next day. Like, and that was just obviously in my world, but it's all there. And so Mm -hmm. any huge firm, or like I said, hedge fund, anyone who deals with major capital is in New York city. That is where their headquarters usually is. Um, so that is also why if you're trying to start an entrepreneurship, if you're trying to get VC funding, if you're trying to do anything at, at a scale, it helps to know anyone in that area, right? Anyone in or about the networking is insane. Everyone runs into everyone. And so not only America, but like specific to what you're trying to launch, whatever industry you're trying to do and what scale you're trying to build it you need to be in this specific part of the city.
1: That's wild to me. I did a trip to New York once for for the brand as well with a distributor out there. And it is palpable. There are people everywhere at all times that if you just bump into, you have no idea the power of networking when you're just where it can happen. It's the, it's the same with SHOT Show. That's why SHOT Show, I feel like, not only garners the amount of people it does, but influencer types and company owners that aren't necessarily gun companies or security sector. All of a sudden, everyone is there at one time, at one point of the year, which is a wild experience.
2: Absolutely. And that's exactly what it is, right? It's like, who do you know? Who do they know? And how can you facilitate the connections you need to build what you're trying to build? And it helps when they're all in the same place because while people got more accustomed to zooms during COVID, a handshake is always going to be way more powerful than a a zoom call.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. There's something about being in someone's physical presence and the energy exchange that happens when you're able to look somebody in the eye, which another thing I noticed that shot show, a lot of people don't look people in the eye. I don't know if it's social anxiety or if it's what's kind of happened after COVID, but there is a different conversation that happens and it's a lot more awkward at first. That's for damn sure. For you though, when it came to starting the fitness endeavor and all of these things, you keep bringing up fitness as such a big proponent of your life and a tool that you use. So because of you're also a husband and a father of tiny humans, you run multiple companies, you're successful in the space in terms of a marketing, social media kind of influencer. So How does somebody, if you were to give them a piece of advice on how to handle everything that, say, you're doing, how to handle it emotionally, psychologically, physically, what are the tools that you use that others can take kind of forward from this episode and say, okay, well, if he's doing this and it seems to work for somebody who's kind of got his head on a swivel 24-7, maybe it'll help me.
2: It's something that is a process. For sure, that I'll I'll start off with because I am by no means perfected it. But I find my predict productivity is the highest when I can consistently remain on a schedule. And so I it's it sounds so simple, but like I need to get some level of fitness in, some kind of physical fitness in, in the morning. Um lately. JITS has helped a lot in the afternoon, just because I've needed to clear my head a lot. And so that morning to midday, I get that break in there. And that also helps. And then kind of blocking off my day to say, this is kind of what I'm working on in the morning. Um, Usually, as of lately, there's been so much going on with Echelon that Echelon has pretty much taken up my entirety of my days. But so morning, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to take it easy because I'm not a morning worker. And I've kind of come to terms with that in the sense I am more productive later in the day. And so then the afternoon is right. As I start feeling like I'm getting some uh, momentum, it's time to go upstairs and do family time. So I block off my day after five, go upstairs, do dinner with my family, um, pull my boys down. And then I usually end up working again from like 7:30 to 9 and then 9 p.m. I shut everything down and kind of get ready for bed spend some time with my wife um, and then I try and go to sleep by 10 and then I'm right back up in the morning doing it all over again so it's building that consistency into the day and then just kind of blocking off where you can the time is the only thing that I've found that has helped me be even remotely Efficient in what I'm doing, but I also like. I'm a scatterbrain I have ADHD. Like if I don't write stuff down, that's another one. I have to physically write stuff down because even though I have a to-do list on my computer, it will never get done. Um, and so just like learning how I work, I guess overall learning how I work, learning my weaknesses, being honest with myself about my weaknesses and the weaknesses and how I work and then trying to kind of build in ways that aren't super dogmatic but keep me focused because that's the other thing people make is they think they have to just like build out this super dogmatic schedule and then they can't actually adhere to it because they'll stay on it for a couple days or a week and then it'll break them and that's the same thing with like people who diet right like The best diet is one that you can stick to. And so Mm -hmm. if you think you're going to go keto, but you can't actually, like you hate the keto diet, then you're not going to be keto very long. And that's kind of the same way I look at everything I do as far as work, as far as scheduling, as far as whatever. If I need a break, I build in a break, right? And if I need to go get out and just get some fresh air, I do that too. And that's the perks of being an entrepreneur, but also... It's giving yourself enough grace to be like, "Hey, we're in this for the long haul," and me burning out is not going to be beneficial to anyone.
1: A hundred percent. I'm glad that you bring that up about burnout. It's something that happens in entrepreneurial businesses, whatever it is you're trying to do. If it's outside the norm where you don't have a boss telling you do this, do this, do this, and you leave it this day, burnout's a real thing. It's something that I think needs to be uh, pulled apart and acknowledged because so many of us run so fast, so hot and so hard for so long, eventually it's, it's going to happen when you, or have you experienced burnout? And if you have, what is the things that you've done to help pull yourself back from that?
2: I'm always on the verge of burnout. Um, I I mean, it's exactly kind of what I just said, like it is. And and sometimes burnout, just, you, you just push yourself into it and it's dumb. And I do it anyways, but I shut down and I have to take a day where I'm just like, I'm not gonna get anything done today, or I'm not gonna check emails today. Like, I'm gonna go do something for me, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is like, if you understand what fills your cup, then it's it's almost like a balancing act of like, okay, I have to do all this crappy stuff where I'm staring at a computer all day today, and that that drains me. But like I said, I built in my workout in the morning. So I came in with a little bit more of a filled cup and then I'm going to Jits in the afternoon and that's going to fill it even more. So at least I'm going to end my day unless all shit hits the fan somewhat mid-level. Um, and so building in those, those things that fill your cup back up, even though everything you're doing today is draining it help. And then at the end of the day, if you just get to burnout taking that time to go do something that just makes you happy.
1: Do you catch yourself on your way to burnout or is it just like I'm here and then, Oh no, it's happened. Like, do you have signs that you watch for or things that you catch?
2: Yeah. I mean, usually I just get depressed to be very Mm. honest. I'll start feeling depressed and I'll know like, okay, like everything else is going fine. Like This is me just pushing myself too hard and my hormones are reacting and my body's going to react soon too. And if I don't listen to myself now, I'm like, usually if I get burnout and I keep trying to push through, I'll get sick. Like, that's Mm -hmm. my physical reaction. My body telling me, Hey, you are pushing yourself too hard. And so, yeah, there's this, this, and this leading up to it that are like, it's not going to go well for you, bud.
1: Right. Right. So listening to your body and, and being cognizant of your mind and things like that, obviously very important for you. Clearly you didn't listen last week, but you know, <laughs> sometimes listen, it's men, men, sometimes they need uh what's the saying? You need to learn the first, the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth time before you get it.
2: Oh yeah. Um, I'm a lifelong learner, Kelsey.
1: <laughs> That's okay. That's why we're friends because you're not somebody who sticks in the spot and goes, Nope, this is where I am for life. You have to learn, you have to grow, and you have to be willing to go through the hard ups and downs to get there, especially if you're in the profession that you are. Now, you did send me a bunch of your awesome echelon, and they do genuinely taste really damn good. I won't lie to you. I'm, I'm a fan. And the amount of caffeine is, a, uh, well, I have to drink half a can because uh I run like this without caffeine. So uh that's terrifying for everyone around if I drink full cans. But my point is they taste good and they they don't have that aspartany kind of junky taste. They taste clean, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah.
2: That's that was kind of the goal. They are they don't they are clean. They don't give you that film in your mouth like a lot of the energy drinks or yeah, you know, like you said like that really fake sugary taste, mm-hmm. which is a lot of times in and and surprisingly the energy drinks that don't have sugar because they all have like those just pounded pounds of sugar substitutes and whatnot um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean we try to keep it really simple we try to make something for the military so that's why it's so damn strong and we wanted to make it to replace their morning monster but also their pre-workout and so we put all the good ingredients from those things in there and cut out all the other bullshit
1: I made the mistake of having an HVMN shot, like a ketone shot one day, and then having some of this on top of it. Um, I've never felt like a rocket ship in my life until that day (laughs) on a road bike. I was like, I was convinced my legs were motors. And I was like, oh, I can just shift whenever whenever I want. It put me into like an altered state. It was a lot. It was too much. It was a lot, but it worked, and for what I was trying to accomplish, and that's what I like about it. It is clean, and the other thing I, I'd like to highlight in echelon is you have a ton of vitamins here that, if you have a traumatic brain injury, you're most likely lacking a ton of, just because the way that the brain eats hormones and the way that it eats the uh, the body in general with traumatic brain injury, the vitamins that you put in here are really essential and really necessary to just like functionality in general. So that's what I, I I do enjoy about it. It is important to be integrating those into your life. And so when you can do it in a way that is just a drink, it makes things super simple, obviously not replacing proper hormone treatment and vitamins, but it definitely is something that is an additive rather than a monster energy drink.
2: Absolutely. And that's, that's what we're trying to kill. Like there's nothing in those drinks. That's good for you. And Outside of people who just drink them because they want to, we, we call them liquid candy. Like that's really what it is. It's yeah. just the flavor that people are drinking. And as part of the reason we made our, our drinks too small, our biggest complaint is they're like, oh, we want, we want a bigger one. We want more. And it's a functional, mm-hmm. drink. like the whole intent of drinking that is because you're about to get after it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give you 16 fluid ounces to slosh around in your stomach. Like you drink this and you go do something. And that was the whole intent. And like we obviously, the other ingredient we put in there that's more of a nootropic is L theanine, mm-hmm. which helps with focus, it helps with anti anxiety. Um, and so, that a lot of times is what people I think are the most surprised by because it is 300 milligrams of caffeine, but it's a very clean kind of uh, digestion of that caffeine. Um, and that's a lot of having to do with the L theanine.
1: Right, I'm glad that you bring that up too because it is most of the time, like you said, a lot of us ADHD, ADD, like the focus just from TBIs and how things work. It's a great additive for sure. Where do people find Echelon if you're? Because can you buy this in Canada yet?
2: Um, we prefer to stay away from Canada in most cases. Most people do, but you can buy on drinkechelon.com, and we do ship to maybe Canada, but <laughs> we're actually launching on Amazon and we will sell on in Canada from Amazon.
1: Oh, perfect. So then you've got that beast. You don't need to worry about anything else and dealing with all the US
2: military bases, but I don't know Do we have some up there.
1: Military. Do you guys have any? No, China does, but you don't.
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll let that fly, Kelsey. <laughs> That's
1: okay. That's a whole other hour-long that was a rant conversation could... for
2: another time.
1: That's another tangent time for you. Um, and where do you find anything Bravo Sierra? Because I know you guys landed a really huge deal this year.
2: Yeah, Bravo Sierra's in Walmart. You can go find them there. It's the uh, what is it called? Um, the like the better aisle. Mm-hmm. So. They have their long aisle of deodorants with all of the degrees and the the old spices and all of these Procter and Gamble products that are multi billion dollar companies, um, and then they have this other aisle like in the back for, <laughs> for like holistic health and and whatnot. And so yeah, we're in we're in that aisle with like um, the healthier. I don't know. Apparently you got to have aluminum in your, in your deodorant in order to make the main aisle. So I don't know. You don't
1: want that aisle. You don't want to be anything, a part of that aisle.
2: You don't, but that's where the big players are. So we're on the non-aluminum aisle and uh, that's where we live. (laughs)
1: Let's be honest for three seconds. I would much rather be on that aisle with you all day long than I would be by standing beside a company that's quite all right and has been for over a, However long it's existed to put lead and everything else in their products, I would much rather be on the aluminum free aisle with you all day rock that than I would be with Procter and Gamble. So I think you should be proud of that aisle. I think if you're sitting in the aisle besides Procter and Gamble, that means that you've probably done something ethically super wrong in your life and or you know that you're going to harm somebody with your products long term and you're cool with living with that and I'm just not so it's okay. Your aisle is the cool aisle. You just need to, you just need to start approaching it that way.
2: Absolutely. And we just need to get, let let other people know that that aisle exists because you know, they're like, all right, I'll take my $3 old spice and you know, to actually bump up the aluminum. Thank you.
1: Yes. Let's, I want more aluminum plus okay. aluminum. I want an aisle with just aluminum. <laughs> That's what I want to ingest into the largest organ of my body which has absolutely nothing to do with my psychological state or how my chemical, my body feels chemically. So I would much rather that aisle. It's okay. We can talk. I'll go stand. Listen, I'll just go stand in one of these aisles for you all day long. And I'll just, you don't want that aisle. You want this aisle. It's okay. I'm not that expensive. You guys could afford it. It'd be fine.
2: I mean, it's it's like, I think it's like seven ninety nine or something. Like, come on, guys! I don't at least buy native if you're going to buy something. But buy yeah. something natural and take better care of yourself. Vets love Sharon Hunter Seven and and all the stuff that they're doing, and yet they're still out here putting all these chemicals in their bodies, not realizing that they're not taking care of themselves.
1: <laughs> See, I didn't know that, and that makes me sad because more than ever, the GWAT veteran generation has to be. Comp- incredibly cognizant of what they eat, what they put on their bodies and what they're exposing themselves to on a regular basis, whether that's from a, you know, through your eyes and what you're absorbing on a TV, excuse me, or whether it's from what you're spraying onto again, the largest origin large. Wow. There, there goes that largest organ no. in the body TBI plane. That's me. No, that's, that's where that's I'm exactly at today.
2: It's like, right please like we're past the point of ignorance like yeah stop eating shit stop eating all this processed garbage and stop putting nasty stuff on your body like
1: oh my god common sense we just need it to start being common again
2: no you know kelsey it is common it's just hard it's hard to not eat mcdonald's and it's hard to not eat processed garbage and it's again it's going back to like those small habits and and building out your day but once people learn how to do the little things like that everything else magically ties together
1: education can be absorbed if somebody finds that it is beneficial for themselves so they most often will not go make the steak at home but they'll go to McDonald's and have a burger because the education that they've been taught is that that's acceptable food for the body it's meat so it must be good it must be totally fine. Or if you're the new food pyramid, apparently honey nut Cheerios are healthier than a steak. So, I'm you know, you, sometimes, <laughs> oh, you can, listen that again. I think we should have a whole episode of myself, you and Zach to sit down and then we can just rant about the issues of the world because I feel like we all have a special, special view on it to say the least.
2: Oh God, it's. I want to have a a happy episode. Like, we should all just, just. We should have an episode where we all bring the good news going on and the cool things going on in the community, and do that. I would love
1: that. I would love that. I just like, let me know when you guys are ready. Does a
2: good enough job of exposing me to all of the dumb shit happening in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That 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 in itself, like we talk about echo chambers, social media is an echo chamber of just everything horrendous happening
1: hmm I try to look at social media in a different way. I've had to change my relationship with it. I've had to change the conversations about it because at the end of the day, it is a tool that has made me somewhat, I, I don't consider myself successful. I'll be successful at a certain point, not there yet, but it's definitely been a tool and an asset if you use it as such but it's how you use it, right? And it's how you, what you look at. You choose who you follow. Therefore, you choose what you see. And if you're only seeing bullshit and wars in Ukraine and conspiracy theories and all of these horrific things with the WEF, You're going to hate your life. You're going to look up from your phone every day and go, God, this is hard, it's heavy, and it doesn't have to be. You can utilize it as a tool to help. You can use it as a tool to heal people, to save people, to communicate with people, to network, and to grow what you're doing. Every single person, almost 90% of the people I've had on this podcast have been through DM. I I am relentless in people's Instagrams. I have a method to the madness that works almost every goddamn time and it's worked enough to get me on Lex Friedman. It can work to get me anywhere else. It's how you choose to use the tools at your disposal.
2: Yeah, I agree. No, I think that's exactly, exactly it. And social media is such a powerful tool. When we're talking about entrepreneurship, you have access to anyone. You have access to mass scale people, if you understand how to use it and, and how to push your brand and your message and, and whatever it is you're, you're doing and, and how to outreach. And it's insane that it's only been around for our generation, but like, could you imagine what it's going to be like <laughs> our no. grandkids' generation? Like, it'll be insane.
1: No, I choose. I try not to think that far ahead because that to me is, that would mean my my child's an adult, that I am aging. And that would mean that we're in a different time and I'm not ready for that time. I'm ready to absorb every minute and be present every day with my son and with the things that I'm accomplishing and just try to acknowledge those and enjoy the journey along the way. Because if I think 10 years from now, my life is not even going to be remotely close. And if I think 10 years from now, it will link and it will be 10 years and I will have completely overlooked all of the great things that have happened in the middle.
2: Absolutely. But well, social media is cool. Use it. Tell properly.
0: people
2: properly and don't get intimidated by it either. I think that's mm-hmm. another thing. I think people confuse saturation with competition. I think there's plenty of fields out there that are heavily saturated and mm-hmm. yet not competitive at all, especially if you know what you're doing.
1: Well, and that said, it. it's about knowing what you're doing and the least you can do, like I said, and what I always did to you. And I'm not saying that this is an open invitation to go do this to him. But what I'm saying is sometimes if you're persistent, you're relentless and you are around, it will do one of two things and you have to be willing to take that risk. You will annoy somebody to the point where they will not talk to you or or if you're lucky and they see that you're trying to do something that's different and that's meaningful, people will acknowledge you, will give you their time and then hopefully we'll end up on your podcast.
2: Absolutely. You just you have to go to them knowing what you want to know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Don't it can't be work for them. It has to be you doing the work and them giving you the next step.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's, I've been benefited. I've benefited from your friendship in that stance. And I've, you've been open and honest to me and I will always remember that. And trust me, I don't forget things very easily. So that is something that will be important to me forever. And I will always try to, uh, share that any of knowledge that you and others have taught me, but also be kind in the way that you were to me and always pass on and give time to others and hold space for others. Because at the end of the day, when you start something, You have to learn from those around you and you have to utilize their experience. And if you're not, you're just being silly at that point.
2: Absolutely. It's all about paying it forward. someone helped me, I'm always going to be willing to help someone else.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's a a great thing to watch uh, others in the community like yourself who are at a certain space, at a certain spot in this space being willing and acknowledging that others need support and do need guidance sometimes. And I do appreciate that. But moreover, I do appreciate you coming on the show and I do appreciate you giving me the time. I know you've been sick and it's been a long week for everyone, but everyone's kind of just pulling through and getting it done. And I am grateful for having you on the show today.
2: I'm grateful for you having me. You're amazing. You're doing awesome things. And so I always love seeing what you got coming up and what you got going on. Um, Where can we find you? Oh, you know, I'm usually on the Instagram, but I mostly just repost reels that I find funny. So there's that. Um, Real Eric Bartel is my Instagram. And then uh, fitness, I do stuff on men's health. And then uh, just follow Echelon because Echelon's way cooler than I will ever be. So that's Echelon underscore USA on Instagram primarily, but all the other platforms too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was grateful to be able to have one of yours to come with me on my last round. And, uh, the Canadians accepted the idea that I had to do a a lovely photo because how can you not have a can of echelon and not shoot artillery with it in your mouth? I mean, it just, it just makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. All right, everyone. That's Eric Bartel. We will see you all next week.